Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. Today I have decided to do a podcast on the process of hypertrophy and I'm hopefully going to break that down for you in a way that makes it understandable, that covers everything you need to know without making it overcomplicated. So I think sometimes the process of hypertrophy is oversimplified and people just scratch the surface rather than going into detail about it and sometimes I think it's overcomplicated and it's sort of described in a way which makes it very hard to understand so I'm hopefully going to find a bit of a middle ground between those two things and relay this in a way which makes it understandable for you guys but also goes into a little bit of detail so that you understand what is involved in the process of hypertrophy I coach a lot of clients through this process through their improvement seasons or non-competitors who just want to build a bit of muscle tissue and I get a lot of questions about this process as well and um, this is going to be hypertrophy in respect to, to any muscle group so the the fundamentals are ultimately the same whether you're trying to grow your glutes or whether you're trying to get, grow your back so this will apply for for all muscle groups so um, just bear that in mind whilst I am talking through so I'm going to break this down into different sections and the first section I'm going to discuss is training. So when it comes to hypertrophy, there are three mechanisms for developing muscle tissue, for producing hypertrophy. And those three mechanisms are mechanical tension, muscle damage and metabolic stress. So when it comes to mechanical tension, that is essentially the time that the muscle spends under tension provided by the external load. Now, the external load could be the barbell that you're using, the dumbbell, the machine, your body weight in regards to body weight exercises whilst you're training at home. Um, and that creates mechanical tension in the muscle. So that's a simplified version of what mechanical tension comes down to. The second one is the second driver of hypertrophy is muscle damage and that is sustained during resistance training and it comes from both eccentric and concentric contractions. Now to explain a concentric contraction would be in the example of a deadlift it would be the way up so it would be when the muscles are shortening and the eccentric phase of the movement would be the way down in a deadlift when you are lowering the load and the muscles are lengthening. And um, that is what produces muscle damage. And um, it's very common to end up with DOMS, which is delayed onset muscle soreness as a result of muscle damage as well. Um, and like I said, both eccentric and concentric contractions cause muscle damage, but eccentric contractions actually cause more muscle damage than concentric contractions. Um, and this onset of muscle damage triggers mTOR pathways, which then activate muscle protein synthesis and start the rebuilding of the damaged muscle. 
And the, the third driver of hypertrophy is metabolic stress. And that's when, you know, when you get a bit of a pump. So when your muscles are continually contracting and relaxing and you get um, a bit of a pump, so you get a blood pooling effect, that is what is ultimately metabolic stress. So those are the three drivers of hypertrophy. And you want to take that into account because when you break those three things down, you want to include styles of training which produce all of those three um, effects, essentially. We also want to make sure that we are training within a close proximity to failure. So you do not need to be going all the way to failure every single set that you do in the gym. That can be a method that you may utilize if that suits your personality and if you can handle it and if your form is really good, but it's not absolutely necessary. And there is certainly a place for, for not going quite all the way to failure, but it is going to be smart to train within a close proximity to failure if you want to maximally develop muscle tissue. So bear that in mind and it might be worth, you know, at least going to failure sometimes so that you can see what that actually feels like and so that you can take yourself there and then you can make sure that you are working within a close proximity to that to true failure um if you wish to maximally develop muscle tissue so you know when you see all of these um like glute workouts on instagram and the girls you know they look fantastic and they barely look like they're um you know they're definitely not busting their balls to, to put it simply um that is not necessarily going to be the best way to build muscle tissue i would highly suggest that you are really pushing your limits in the gym and you are training within a close proximity to failure we also want to apply progressive overload over time it's important to recognize that progress is not linear. So you're not going to go into the gym and progress every single session day in and day out. There are a lot of variables which may affect your training performance, um, such as stress, recovery, sleep. Um, if your nutrition has been slightly off, there are so many different things which can affect it. So don't set unrealistic expectations of yourself. You are not going to progress in a linear fashion every single session. But what we want to see is progress over an extended period of time. And it's also really important to recognize that progress comes in many different forms. So um, that could be, you know, improving your form and execution. It could be... Um, you could apply progressive overload by adding in isometric holds. You could slow your eccentrics down as well as potentially adding reps from one week to another or adding a little bit of load whilst maintaining good form. So progress can come in, come in many different forms and it's important to, to use different measures of progress in order to give yourself credit for those many different forms of progress. You might use training videos as well as your logbook. So you would log um, the load that you use for each set and the number of reps you manage to perform. 
for each exercise that you do but alongside that you might use training videos you might send those to your coach get feedback improve your form over time and that in itself is a method of applying progressive overload so make sure you acknowledge that progress comes in many different forms make sure you don't set unrealistic expectations of yourself and make sure that you do use many different methods of actually tracking your progress one of those would be a logbook for sure um but it's important to use different methods as well so that you recognize that it's not just all about adding more load to the bar every single session um because like i said you know you won't be able to do that every single session day in and day out yes we want to get stronger over time but it's important to recognize that that's not the the only way of progressing with our training performance and we also want to take into account the different drivers of hypertrophy as well in terms of sets per muscle group so as a rough guide 10 to 20 sets per muscle group um, over the week seems to most consistently result in peak gains in muscle size and strength however this can vary between muscle groups and between different individuals and it's really important to take that into account and to assess your recovery capabilities and track your training performance as you go through the process so that you can adjust your training volume wherever necessary an example of that could be if a client is going through a really rough period where stress levels are really high in their personal life or in their work life that is going to have an impact on their ability to recover from resistance training because resistance training is a stress in itself and then if they've got um, stress coming from their work life and their personal life on top of that it might be a bit too much for them to handle so you might need to pull their training volume down slightly to enable them to to recover a little bit better whilst they're going through a high stress period in their life um, another example of that is as somebody gets stronger and they are using more load in the gym and as somebody is really learning to push their limits with training so they're able to consistently train to failure rather than leaving a few reps in reserve they're probably going to be able to handle a little bit less volume as their training intensity improves and increases so that's something that you need to take into account as you go through the process and that's another thing which may affect the amount of sets somebody is actually able to recover from over the week and per session as well so recovery capabilities and training performance must be monitored throughout a training program so that training volume can be adjusted where necessary based on how the individual is responding and um how they are recovering because at the end of the day you will only adapt in a positive way to a training stimulus which you can actually recover from and there are a lot of different factors which will affect recovery as well when it comes to nutrition so the next section following on from training we ideally want to be consistently in a calorie surplus if we wish to maximally progress with hypertrophy so we don't want to be dipping in and out of a deficit 
and um, ideally we want to be in a surplus rather than at maintenance if we wish to really really maximize progress with developing new muscle tissue so whilst you are in a calorie surplus you have to accept that you will gain a little bit of body fat alongside the muscle tissue that you are gaining whilst you progress with hypertrophy and progress with improving your training performance so you have to accept a little bit of body fat gain now that body fat gain doesn't have to be excessive and you don't want to whack on body fat super fast um, to a point where it becomes counterproductive. However, you do have to accept that you are going to potentially gain some body fat throughout the process of progressing with hypertrophy. So accept that and acknowledge that it is a part of the process, um, but be patient and be consistent with staying in a calorie surplus consistently. Alongside this, we want to be hitting the fundamentals of nutrition to maintain good health and we ideally want to be consuming at least three servings of protein spread throughout the day to elevate mps which is muscle protein synthesis four servings of protein would be great if possible and that's what i usually recommend to clients that's what i do myself at least four servings of protein spread throughout the day um, but you do want to allow enough time between meals for you to digest and absorb um, the food that you are consuming you'll often find that if you consume meals too close together that it may have a negative impact on digestion so make sure you have a decent amount of time between each meal but um, you do ideally want four servings of protein spread throughout the day and each serving of protein should ideally be at least 0.24 grams per kilogram of body weight so that is a rough guide of where you want each protein serving. More is absolutely fine, um, but at least 0.24 grams per kilogram of your body weight. If we also think about the fact that we want to be prioritizing and really, really progressing with our training performance, it would be smart if you think about it logically to consume a pre-workout meal which is going to sit well with you so foods which you know you can digest efficiently and foods that are going to provide us with adequate fuel to perform to the best of our ability during our training session um so when we are resistance training our predominant fuel source is going to be carbohydrates so if you think about it logically, it's probably going to be wise to consume a decent quantity of carbohydrate in your pre-workout meal. But like I said, you also want to make sure that that, that meal, whatever it is, those food sources sit really well with you. It's wise not to consume too much fiber in your pre-workout meal because fiber takes a while to digest and absorb. So if you consume a lot of fiber for example if you consumed a plate of veg before you went to train that veg would probably be sat in your stomach and would feel a little bit uncomfortable you might get a little bit gassy whilst you're training which is not going to result in you performing to the best of your ability so be smart about the foods that you consume in your pre-workout meal and uh, make sure that you can digest and absorb those foods 
And like I said, you want to make sure that you've got a decent quantity of carbohydrate in that meal because carbs are our predominant fuel source for resistance training. And we are trying to maximize our performance. We also want to stimulate muscle protein synthesis pre and post workout. So those servings of protein I referred to earlier, you ideally want one of those pre-workout and one of those in your post-workout meal. That could be whey protein, it could be eggs, um, fish, meat, Greek yogurt, whatever, as long as it sits well with you. And when it comes to those protein servings, we also want to take into account the quality of the protein. So not all protein is created equal. And we ideally want to consume a protein source which contains all of the essential amino acids to maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So we want to consume a complete protein source. And um, that's sometimes where it can be quite hard when you are a vegetarian or vegan in some circumstances, because a lot of vegan protein sources are not complete protein sources, and they do not contain all of the essential amino acids. So if you are vegan, you have to be really smart about potentially pairing certain foods together to get a complete profile of all of the essential amino acids, or you might want to implement something like EAAs, so an, an essential amino acid drink um, to maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So like I said, not all protein is created equal and you do want to take into account the quality of the protein that you are consuming in each serving. And if you are someone who is vegan, be smart about it, do your research and make sure you're able to maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis by being smart about your food pairings or using something like EAAs. And also make sure that you are doing your research to ensure that you're getting what you need from your diet from a health perspective as well, because it's much more it's much easier to be deficient in certain vitamins and minerals if you are a vegan due to your food sources being limited and you not consuming things like meat and fish. So that's something to take into account as well. The next factor I want you guys to consider is supplementation. Now, I am not one of those coaches who gives my clients an absolute shopping list of supplements. I think that supplementation should be something which is specific to each individual, dependent upon what they actually need rather than generic. But there are some supplements which do have a lot of research behind them and might help most people. One of those supplements is creatine monohydrate. Now, creatine is one of the cheapest research backed supplements on the market and it has benefits beyond just you know training performance and aesthetics so i would actually recommend that most people do take creatine monohydrate you do not need to load it you can just take five grams per day every single day so that is a supplement that i would recommend everybody take and um yes it might result in a little bit of body weight gain 
but that is good body weight gain. It is not bad body weight gain. And it's because it pulls water intramuscular, which will actually usually result in a slightly fuller look from a physique perspective and what most people would class as a more favorable look. Like I said, it's not, it's not body fat gain, that weight gain. It's just what comes along with your creatine stores being saturated and supplementing with creatine monohydrate so it's a good thing it's not a bad thing so just be aware that you might see your scale weight rise a little bit if you do take your body weight measurement in terms of other supplements i would just stay on top of basic health supplements which are um, appropriate and specific for you as an individual so that might be supplementing with a good quality fish oil if you don't consume much oily fish in your diet it might be supplementing with vitamin D through the winter months because vitamin D deficiency is very common in the UK, in our country, through the winter months because we don't get much daylight exposure. So that is something which, if we are deficient in vitamin D, that could negatively affect our energy levels and therefore our ability to perform. It might affect our immune function um and therefore it's going to be beneficial to correct that deficiency so that we can perform and recover to the best of our ability and therefore um positively adapt to our resistance training sessions as well correcting deficiencies like a vitamin d deficiency is also going to be something which is going to have a big impact on our overall health so it's something that I would definitely recommend um, and if you are able to it might be wise to get a blood test to check exact like vitamin and mineral levels just so that you know where you're at and whether you actually do need to use any specific supplements or not that would be best case scenario but I do appreciate that blood tests and things can be expensive as well so yeah that's just something to take into account the last factor, but definitely not the least important when it comes to progressing with hypertrophy is recovery and stress management. So like I've previously said, we will only positively adapt to a training stimulus, which we can actually recover from. And recovery is a game changer. Not only will it have a positive impact on your progress with hypertrophy or fat loss, but it will also have a huge impact on your overall quality of life. If your recovery is down the drain, you are going to feel rubbish. So please, please, please prioritize your recovery and stress management. And, you know, stress management, if you're managing your, your stress levels well, that's going to have a really positive impact on recovery as a whole and again on your overall quality of life as well. So sleep is a game changer if we wish to be able to perform to the best of our ability as well as positively contribute to the recovery process as a whole. So I would recommend to prioritize your sleep as much as possible maintaining a consistent bedtime and wake time so try and go to bed regularly at a similar time each day and wake up at a similar time each day and this will create consistency and routine for you and will help regulate your circadian rhythm 
I would also avoid consuming caffeine past around 2, 3 p.m. because of caffeine's half-life. Um, caffeine's half-life can vary between individuals, but it can be around like five or six hours. So five or six hours after you've consumed your coffee or your monster, half of that caffeine is still going to be in your system. So it's going to be beneficial to cap your caffeine in the afternoon so that it's not having a negative impact on your ability to get to sleep or your sleep quality as a whole. I would also make sure that your room is dark and cool and create a good pre-bed routine to get you into a relaxed state so that you can fall asleep well, fall asleep relatively quickly and get into a nice deep sleep. If you're working right up until the point where you go to bed, how do you expect to be sleeping efficiently? It's going to be so beneficial to switch off. And I always remind my clients, like, if you're not looking after yourself, you're not recovering to the best of your ability, you're not sleeping, you're not going to be able to give your best self to others either. You're not going to be able to perform to the best of your ability, whether that be with your training, whether that be with your work, whether that be as a family member, a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, like, you have to look after yourself if you wish to produce the best version of yourself to others or with work or whatever, you know, it, it matters, you matter, your health matters. So please look after yourself, guys, like make sure you're chilling out before bed. And that's something that I have to work on myself. Like I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means. And I often slip back into bad habits. But if you create a good pre-bed routine and you do something which makes you feel relaxed before you do go to bed, um, it will have a really positive impact. Honestly, try it and let me know if it does or not. I personally like to journal and read before I go to bed. When I journal, I've been through this a couple of times with clients recently. What I personally like to do, everybody's version of journaling is different. But what I do is I ask myself certain questions. So I'll sort of summarize the day and how it's gone. I will then ask myself, what was the highlight of your day? I will then ask myself, who are, or what are you most grateful for? today and I will then ask myself if there is anything that I personally want to get off my chest and I will if I have anything that I want to rant about I will write it down in my journal and I'll generally as I go through the day write anything down that I want to sort of make a note of and that's how I personally journal but like I said it will be different for everybody and you can get some journals which like pre-written that give you prompts I personally just um, ask myself random questions <laughs> and I use a plain notebook, but um, that's just an idea potentially to implement something like that within your pre-bed routine. Um, I know some people like to meditate. I personally like to journal and read a good book before I go to bed, um, but there are many different ways of switching off it's just really important to make sure you do so and you're ready to go into a relaxed, restful sleep when you get into bed. So recovery and stress management is super important. When it comes to stress management, again, like it's something which is very individual. Like some people will find huge benefit from meditating. Some people will like journaling. 
Um, sometimes it's just nice to go for a walk outside, get some fresh air, um, spend time with friends and family, even if that's over Zoom or over the phone. There are many different ways of managing stress, but what is really important to recognize is that stress sometimes is inevitable and it's not about avoiding stress completely because that's unrealistic. It's about managing the stress in your life to the best of your ability and doing what you can to look after yourself. You know, trying to completely, um, what's the word? Trying to completely get rid of all stresses in your life is never going to happen. And it's, it's just inevitable that <laughs> it will, you know, stress is a part of life. Even training is a stress. It's just about managing that stress and making sure that we look after ourselves and we can recover from the stress we are putting ourselves and our bodies under. So huge, huge part of uh, being able to perform to the best of your ability, recover from resistance training and adapt positively to that. So there I have summarized the process of hypertrophy and touched on what I think is really important from the perspectives of training nutrition, um, recovering stress management and supplementation. And hopefully that has given you a little bit of a, a useful insight into how the process of hypertrophy occurs and what you can do to really maximize your progress with hypertrophy. And um, Obviously, you know, it's easier said than done when it comes to fat loss, when it comes to hypertrophy, progressing with your training performance, whatever that, whatever your goal might be, it's always easier on paper than it is in real life. And I appreciate that struggles come along with any goal, like whether that be wanting to build muscle tissue and struggling mentally with the fact that you have to gain body fat alongside that. Um, whether that be progressing with fat loss and struggling with hunger and low energy levels, there are always like things that make the process more difficult than it looks on paper. And that's, you know, where a coach comes in and they are there to guide you through that process and help you deal with the, the hurdles that you pass throughout the process, whatever they may be. Um, so talk to your coach about it when you are struggling because they can only help you if they know that you are struggling and um don't be you know don't be disheartened if you feel like the process is in reality harder than it looks on paper because that that's life you know things aren't as straightforward as they may look um or as they may they may be factually you know humans have a lot more going on in their lives they have emotions they have factors that we aren't able to control um and there's always going to be hurdles to overcome as we go through a process so always take that into account and recognize that we are human we are not machines and the process is very rarely as straightforward as it sounds whatever your goal may be but let me know if you do have any questions off the back of this guys i hope you have enjoyed this podcast and I will see you next week.